Hi, it's the creator, host, and producer of Evermore Poe, Chris Kosach. As you know, our story is based on the real-life account and mostly untold story of Edgar Allan Poe's teen years, for which I spent more than a decade researching as more like 20 years, to be honest. Be sure to stay tuned after this episode to learn the facts in the case of Mr. Poe, where I share exactly what is true in today's story. And trust me, there's a bunch. Before we get started, though, I'd really like to thank you for your overwhelmingly positive response to this tale. Please be sure to follow this podcast so you're one of the first to know when there's an update. And I'll be ever more grateful, see what I did right there, if you'll kindly share my story with your friends. So with no further ado, let's get started. This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent and tragic youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Eddie galloped down the master stairs. It had been two days since the ordeal at the canal, and still he hadn't told anyone other than Joliet. Adjusting his tie, he entered the dining room with a ready smile for Ma and Aunt Nancy. Morning, Ma, Aunt Nancy, he said, grabbing a piece of bacon. You really should stop cutting it so close in the morning, dear. I'll make it, he said with a smirk. He grabbed a biscuit for the road, kissed Ma on the back of the head, and started down the hall to the front door where he paused at a small private office. Inside, the patriarch of the family, John Allen, sat hunched over a desk balancing a ledger for Ellis and Allen tobacco merchants. Good day, Pa. Huh? Oh, yes. Good day, my boy. He replied, barely looking up. Edgar stepped out onto a beautiful spring morning in the capital city. In just 50 years, the River City had become an international port thanks to its proximity to fertile plantations and awaiting merchant ships. Here, almost everything and everyone was related to the exportation of tobacco, cotton, and wheat. Once the crops were harvested from the fields, they were processed at local mills, weighed, and sold at market. From this sprung an endless array of businesses. Boarding houses, liveries, and saloons were all too eager to shake visiting sailors of their money, while bankers, brokers, and merchants did pretty much the same thing, albeit to a more elite clientele. Meantime, Richmond had become a bustling entrepot with Irishmen, Englishmen, and Scots coming in droves, followed by Spaniards, Germans, and Swedes. Sometimes on his way to school, Edgar liked to play a game of identify the accent, other times, he taught himself foreign expressions. Dag, Vilja, and Drik was how the Swedish ordered a beer. He couldn't stop laughing the morning a Dutch sailor asked him, Wars and the prostitutes. With a quick step, Edgar made it to Clark's Academy with enough spare time to sit on a brick ledge and finish his morning biscuit. Um, hello? A small voice came from behind him. Eddie turned to find the boy he had saved from the night at the canal. From his seat on the brick wall, the boy seemed much smaller than Edgar remembered. True to form, Eddie put on the charm. Good morning, Robert, right? How are you feeling today, little man? Uh, I'm all right, thank you, sir. I mean, um, I wanted to return your jacket, the boy said, holding out a package wrapped in string. And this too, Robert held out a letter. Eddie placed the package down with his books and opened the wax seal. Dear Mr. Allan Poe, Mere words cannot begin to express the level of gratitude our family has come to know for your brave efforts. We were only too sorry not to have welcomed you into our home following such an extraordinary feat. Won't you kindly favor us with your company as expeditiously as possible? 
three o'clock tomorrow afternoon should be fine. The courtesy of your visit shall please us to no end. We shall accept no regrets. Yours sincerely, the Honorable Judge Robert Stannard and Mrs. Ninth and Gray Streets, Court End, Richmond. Whereas Eddie had hoped to be invited into the boys' home on that frigid night, the last thing he wanted now was to sit in a stuffy parlor with someone's parents, exercising his cotillion etiquette. Eddie had been looking forward to drinking and gambling with his friends by the James River as they did every day after school. But despite his desires, Eddie followed the social protocol that had been drilled into him by the Allens and replied, I should love to accept this invitation from your family, Robert. Thank you very kindly. Headmaster Clark rang his bell just in time, sparing Eddie from the awkward silence that followed. Shelley, Polidori, Goodwin, Walpole, Irving. <sighs> really, boys, I am quite disappointed. The assignment was to choose a classic. This gothic nonsense is a trend, I say. But, sir, you said... Yes, I know what I said. I just thought it might go a little differently, that's all. Headmaster Clark came to the next name on the roster... Mr. Allan Poe, please tell me you chose something less trite. I chose Shakespeare, sir, the tragedy of Macbeth. Thank heavens, Clark whispered. I should like to study the real King Macbeth of Scotland and the foul play that plagued his reign. Eddie downplayed his true desire to explore the play's supposed curse and the witchcraft said to be responsible for it. Choosing Macbeth was a bold choice for Eddie, who had only a paper-thin theory based on legends and myths. But if Eddie had learned anything while spending time with John Allen's family in Scotland just a few years before, it was that there was a unique and intangible truth about the legends from the Scottish Highlands. But Eddie also recalled those childhood stories of African magic that were alive and well right here in Virginia. And while Eddie couldn't remember the grisly details of that folklore, he knew someone who was intimately familiar with them. Someone who came from a long line of conjurers. Best of all, he wouldn't have to go far to seek out her expertise in witchcraft. After all, they lived under the same roof. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple poems museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from MK2, Quintus Marrera, and Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.